Hey y'all. So every single podcast that I listen to starts off with some type of elaborate intro that explains how they built some type of company from the ground up while being pretty close to perfect and having obsession worthy hair. Like seriously, I'm still obsessed. (laughs) For me, I'm right in the middle of my life's work. And this entire podcast is to take you on that journey with me, answer all of your questions, and give you a closer look at exactly what it is to live my life. So without further ado, let's just dive in. So a few weeks ago, I made a post on social media about depression and mommy guilt. The response I got back was huge. I tend to write deeply and share big when I'm in the dark. Not huge like a celebrity gets likes and shares and all the things, but huge in the way people wrote back to me. The DMs I got asking me to dive deeper into the topic, the messages I got, guys, Thanking me for being so real, the most heartbreaking thing about three-fourths of the responses for me was how badly I knew the people who wrote to me were suffering and felt they didn't have a voice to speak out. And not only that, but needing freaking validation from me that they in fact were not alone when I knew a lot of them were friends with each other. Depression has quite literally become some type of a plague in today's culture. 16.2 million adults in the United States, which equals 6.7% of adults today in this country, have experienced a major depressive episode in the past year, according to VeryWellMind.com. With that many people walking through this similar walk, I would seriously think it would be something we would be talking about at dinner, on social media, while we were out to coffee, but I'm sure this is no shock. People avoid the entire topic like the chicken pox. Half the time, we can't even identify it in each other. Check on your happy friends. There are so, so, so many different places I could take this podcast. Depression, mommy guilt. I could dive into the signs to recognize if you are depressed and things that are red flags for mommy guilt. I could list out hotlines and places you can turn to. I could tell you what doctors have said and methods to try. I could also just keep it extremely real and be vulnerable. And share with you things I have found to be true and exactly how I have learned to find sunshine in the dark. Because if there's anything I know, it's you saw the title of this thing and that small voice inside you said, Come on, she's talking about what we need help with. Let's just listen. Or, come on, we know so many people we could help if we listen to this thing. So, let's dive in. Being a stay-at-home mama, if I'm absolutely being honest, was not something I had planned for. I did not dream as a little girl to grow up and stay home with children. I know some of you out there just gasped. And to that gasp, I want to warn you, do not take a bite of food. Because if that one small line 
caused a, a gasp, the next thing that comes out of my mouth is most definitely going to make you choke. You've been warned, sister. I never saw myself as being a stay-at-home mama because that's what my mother was, and I saw firsthand how miserable it made her. No, I wouldn't be found changing up teen million diapers a day or starting a nine-course dinner at noon to have it on the table before a person came home or attending play dates with other mamas and swapping crock-pot recipes. I would be a working mama. I'd have a fancy office with a view. I would have kids at some point in life, but I definitely would not stay home with them 24-7. I would not be my mother. And then it happened. I had joked about staying home with our children in moments of utter madness at my job to my wife. But quite honestly, I never actually thought she would take me seriously. Guys, I joke around 98% of the time I'm actually talking. <laughs> I had always seen myself as the breadwinner, the big guy. The, the majority of my jobs, I held the family insurance. And then I didn't. And I wasn't. And what literally built up over months and months of working for someone who just wasn't people-friendly in a people-friendly business, I quit. I quit my job. My steady Eddie. My big time, I've made it, office with a view, J-O-B. And when I went looking for a panic, looking for my wife to rushingly encourage me to quickly find a new one, she didn't. Instead, she suggested while we were trying to conceive our second baby, I should stay home with our kids for a while. We were having some trouble conceiving, and she thought with the stress of a job, maybe it would be easier and would actually happen if I stayed home. I don't say this often, and damn it, now she'll have it recorded, but she was right. We eventually got pregnant with our second, and to much of my surprise, I did not go back to a regular job. I lasted eight months, guys. <laughs> eight months, and I got a side hustle. <laughs> we saw it as the best way for me to still stay home and raise our babies, and for me, feel like I was contributing to our family. I was obsessed with the company, the mission, and the incredible team of women I could surround myself with. And yes, there will be a full podcast on the entire side hustle later on. Something that I've never heard anyone else talk about is the depression that develops when you go from being needed day in and day out in an office with a view and you feel important and bringing home a huge paycheck to only being needed to offer up your breast to a tiny human that poops in a diaper and oh, you have to change that too. It's important for me to stop right here and say, being a mama is one of the most rewarding things I've ever had the chance to do. And now, being out of the dark for now, I see things different. But for the purpose of this entire thing, it would not be fair if all I shared was a happy life and rainbows and chocolate than the views I had then. The first time I mentioned feeling depressed to anyone, it seriously made me feel crazy. I was, I was hit with things like, girl, you got the life. Are you serious? You don't have to work. Y'all have insurance and you don't want for a single thing. 
And yeah, while some of those things were true, like all things, I took one of those sentences and hung on it like monkey bars. You don't work. Period. Those words to a former workaholic were like a hot knife to butter. I immediately went into what I feel like is best described as supermom mode. I did every craft possible with our daughter. I took her all the places while pregnant as a whale. I rearranged and then re-rearranged the entire house. I decluttered and went shopping to replace the things I had given away. I worked. I worked my ass off. And like a boulder into water, all my good feelings about myself and how hard I had spent the months before working, I was hit with that same line again while talking to a girlfriend. Hang on. Pause. A girl that is my friend. Not my girlfriend. I gotta clarify that because I ain't trying to get divorced. (laughs) You don't work. When it hit me the second time, this is when my mama depression really gripped me. And I went down quick. It's important to say to the outside world, I was at the top of my game. I had accepted a position as the president of a nonprofit in my community. I was throwing elaborate family get-togethers that had fancy homemade cakes with matching cupcakes. And remember my little side hustle? Well, in a little over six months, I grew that baby to a five-figure business. At the top of my game, my beast mode, I was so far in the dark that no one else could even see it. I refer to my depression as the dark because when I am here, it literally feels like in a crowded room, I am alone and the sun has gone home. I was what seemed like the happiest person in the room, on social media, and at home, behind closed doors. After my my wife left for work, I rarely ever left the bed. Yes, with a four-year-old. This was the best summer ever for her because we (laughs) binge-watched so many cartoons, it was crazy. She got to eat food, like real food, in Mama's bed, and we even ate ice cream there. After the delivery of our second child, it only got worse. I can remember Jameson, our youngest, crying for what felt like all day long due to an ear infection that we totally got handled, but I felt so depressed that I literally texted my wife and told her if she didn't hurry the hell up and get home, I was going to lose my mind, and when she did in fact get home, I was leaving. Guys, isolation is a real thing. I don't tell you this for any sort of pity. I speak it into the world because I know how absolutely mad and crazy it made me feel after the entire episode. And I know that there is a mama out there who loves her children more than anything in the world, but there are dark days where you straight up don't even want to be in the same room as them. And that is okay. What I think is important to walk you through here is what my wife's reaction was because it's my intention to at least help give the people who love you going through this season tools to help you or you help them. 
See, I knew, my wife knew, I wasn't exactly peachy and there was something wrong before this episode. Not because I had dared even talk to, to talk about it with anyone anymore. After hearing how much I didn't work from friends and family, but she pays extreme attention to detail. And instead of freaking the hell out when I was losing my mind, she came home tended to our children, and she held me. She held me with the door shut in our bedroom while I cried. You know one of those cries after your mama just whipped your butt? No, just me? Okay, I'll carry on. <laughs> it was deep. There were no words said. She did not yell. She didn't question me. She held me. I like to think without saying words, I told her everything that was going on in my head and she understood it. And the next day, I unloaded. I told her exactly how I was feeling and I did something I absolutely never do. Like ever. I asked for help. We both knew the only way for me to start to heal and to get on the other side of this depression was to get some freaking help. Guys, I always play big. There is not a single aspect in my life that I do not show up big for. And when you have a problem saying no, you drowned. Asking for help was the equivalent of being lit on fire for me. Now someone out there is waiting for me to roll out an entire segment where I mention and suggest you go to therapy and rant and rave about my therapists and on and on. But you're not going to find that here. Not because I have anything at all against therapy or therapists, but because I'm keeping this thing real and raw. And keeping it real is me telling you I'm still not fully out of depression. And I am most definitely not at a place where I've mustered up enough courage or strength to find a therapist. I think therapy is great and I really believe finding the right match can move mountains with you. I'm slowly getting there. Depression is like a friend you never wanted, but now you have. She doesn't leave when you ask her to go, and you can't ever even remember calling for her in the first place. I ask women in my community what they wish people would most know about being a stay-at-home mom with depression. In my community, this is what I was told. It's a real thing. People just don't understand how much stay-at-home mamas take on and work throughout the day. And the loudest thing I was told, it's real and we need to talk about it. We stay at home with our babies and we may seem like we have it all. And all of it is together. But on the inside, we are struggling a silent battle you have also battled at some point. And none of us are talking about it. Whether for the worry of sounding insane or seeming like a bad parent. And as women, if we can't openly talk about our struggles in hopes of helping other women through a season we have already walked through. Then ladies, what are we doing? If you've been with me through previous episodes, you know I'm not one for some oddball number step systems. I do believe those three things you absolutely, without a doubt, must do to find sunshine again in the dark. 
first, you have to admit you are in the freaking dark. Do not wait until your baby has snapped your last nerve and you are searching Google for the next flight to BFE as soon as your person gets home to be with said baby to ask. Second, you have to find support. If you stay in your head, you will stay in the dark. Take it from a sister who was stuck there for over a year in isolation. There are people out there who are going through the exact same darkness as you or pretty darn similar. And they can help you as well as you help them. Talk about it. Lastly, ask for some dang help. You may be able to do many, many things on your own. This is not one of those. Like when you're flying and they tell you to put your mask on first, if you do not take care of yourself first, how can you expect yourself to take care of your family? Ask for help. And yeah, I hear you, Charity. I can't possibly ask for help because when I do, I have such bad mommy guilt that it literally laughs in the face of my depression. And to that, I say I sure hope you'll catch me next week because, let's be real, I could not not talk about the demon that is mommy guilt. Guys, that is it. It's a wrap. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And, you know, if you didn't, don't tell anybody. Keep it to yourself. But if you did, I want you to screenshot that you're even listening and tag me on social media. You can find me just about anywhere as at Charity Mac and Mac is with a C. I really, really want to thank you for spending a few minutes of your time with me this week and taking time to indulge and learn just a little bit. I'm always looking for feedback and comments, so be sure that you share them, and I can't wait for you to hear the next week's topic.